Hi guys, welcome back to The Average Pundits, a weekly podcast for all things Premier League. As always, joining me to the side of me is Reese. How are we doing? And then we also have two guests today for our themed episode based on Tottenham Hotspur. We've got lifelong supporter Sam Ozier. Yo. And we've also got lifelong supporter Dom Hebron. Hi, guys. Brilliant. So, um, again, like always, guys, we're going to have a little bit of a rundown just first discussing what's happening in the Premier League. Reese, what's happening? So, interesting week in the Premier League. I... Uh uh, we've, we've just witnessed yeah, so uh, uh, first game I'm going to start with is uh, Crystal Palace beating West Ham 2-1 mm-hmm. um, obviously uh, Allaire uh, opening up the uh, the scoring uh, he's but kind then of finding his shooting boots a little bit more right? he is yeah he's starting to find his, his form a bit and uh, hopefully st- starting to prove himself as a, as a as a top signing for West Ham yeah uh, and then obviously uh, Van Aanholt uh, equalised with a penalty Again, Van Aanholt, his name just absolutely just terrifies me. I mean, he's yeah. terrified United on so many occasions. He's now. such a good player. He is a good left back, to be fair. He's just one of them that just appears randomly and just occasionally will just do a madness and then disappear again. Genuinely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then obviously the uh, VAR uh, assisting uh, Patrick Ayew. Mm. Uh, Jordan Ayew. I don't know where Patrick came from. Patrick, are you? Patrick, I've. Uh, it's been a long way. I, I just <laughs> mixed. I've just mixed Patrick Van Aanholt and Jordan Ayew. Uh, yeah, it's been a long day. Uh, but yeah, what, uh, what's what's the next game then? So uh, uh, the next game is uh, kind of a kind of a doozy, really. Uh, Watford and Sheffield United. Uh, nothing really too too interesting to talk about here, other than Dean Henderson's absolutely class goalkeeping display. He's starting to look like a quite a good keeper, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not just being biased. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a United boy, but I mean, week in week out, he's starting to show himself. Yeah, it's it just that mistake last week against Liverpool that let him down. Probably. Pretty much. He started to come into his own and uh, started to show his absolutely uh, his potential as maybe one of England's uh, next goalkeepers going forward. I th- I'd be perfectly happy seeing him as our number two. I mean, if yeah. Romero is going to be on his way out soon. Uh, the next game uh, was a, a g- an absolute goal machine of a game. Uh, Aston Villa hammering uh, Norwich. Uh, you know, five one. That's a weird one. I wasn't expecting Villa to do anything no. there. I was expecting Norwich to just come out and such an move on result. from the City one, but. Just a strange club with Villa. I mean, they've come, I feel like all the newly promoted clubs. I mean, we said this in the podcast numerous before, occasions. They're, they're definitely kind of holding their own right now. But I mean, again, like week in and week out performances. If, if they're going to keep this up, I mean, they're doing far better than a lot of the Premier League teams currently, which should be performing at that kind yeah. of high level. Uh, I mean, Wesley as well. He's finding his shooting boots. Mm. Uh, continuously trying to you know up his up his stock at uh, Aston Villa, scoring in the 14th and the 30th mm. uh, to give Villa a two 0 lead at half time. I'm quite interested in that John McGinn. I think he's an absolute McGinn. Player. He's he's very uh, very talented. Uh, one of one of the better Scottish players in the league. Uh, obviously, dead you know dead behind Andrew Robertson. But uh, but John McGinn he's he's a very talented midfielder, and I can see him moving on from Aston Villa. Maybe not the, at the end of the season. Maybe at the end of next season, trying to find a better club. Maybe like Everton or um, or Wolves. Just Could even get into one of the top six really. He could. Oh, Target that. Maybe, yeah, I could uh, see that. I could see that happening. Maybe at an Arsenal or a, or a Chelsea. Or United. Um, and well, it was Lincoln United in small, weren't it? 50 million. 50 million. Ooh. I mean, now I, mean, no, I think I take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, over <laughs> Jesse Lingard. Uh, so then uh, you had Conor Hurahan and Jack Grealish uh, adding two more. And then an absolute peach from Douglas Louise to, yeah. to, to put the fifth in for Villa. That was a, it was a hell of a strike. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, picture perfect from, from him. And then uh, uh, Dermich. 
uh, for Norwich, putting in the uh, the consolation goal. The Puka party was cancelled this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever put them in their fantasy team is starting to realise, oh, it was just an August yeah. thing. Maybe the magic's wearing off now. Absolutely. Uh, the next game, uh, we are going to go to Liverpool's uh, narrow 2-1 victory over Leicester. It's another one of those games, wasn't it? Like, luck went on Liverpool's side in that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm getting just sick of it. I mean, Liverpool, obviously, they're, they're, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not delusional. I know they're amazing, but it's just really hard to see right now. The signs are starting to point again, whether they could keep it up all season and whether City could claw it back again, like they did last season. But at the minute, it's hard to see Liverpool not winning the league this year. But I mean, we are eight, eight points ahead, so uh, that can maybe get up to 10 and 12 within the coming weeks if C continue to drop points. But um, obviously, Sadio Mane continuing his, uh, his his form. He's he's probably our best player at the minute, form-wise. I'd probably agree with that, I'd say. Uh, so, yeah, he, he scored in the 40th. And then uh, Madison in the 80th to, to equalise uh, for Leicester. Really, really put a shake in the Liverpool fans' boots, but then... It was uh, always going to be a tough game, I think. I yeah. feel like if anyone's going <clears> to, <throat> uh, excuse me, give Leicester a run for their money, um, also, sorry, give Liverpool a run for their money, I'd say it was going to be Leicester. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, they're, they're, at the minute, they're tr- trying to challenge the top top four, um, and why not? They, they can do it, uh, you know, with this current uh, running form. As we said last week on the podcast, they, they have the ability to be a top four team. They've done it before, they can do it again. Yeah, definitely. But then, uh, um, yeah, the penalty to put us 2-1 ahead in the 95th minute. Uh, did it for Liverpool. So um, another sort of not not really tame because like Nick Pope's uh, in the in the Burnley one uh, 0 win against Everton um, with Jeff Hendrick scoring the seventy second minute. Um, Nick Pope just had this game all, all over him. He uh, he made some outstanding saves. Um, so did Jordan Pickford. The, this this game was a real battle of the goalkeepers. I mean, what's going on with Everton right now, man? I think it's not long before Silver goes. They're in the bottom three. The, again, you're looking like waste the money again in the summer it's just one of them they could spend as much money as they want they're never going to break into the top six as, as this carries on yeah it, it, it is a trend for Everton at the moment isn't it they seem to spend quite a bit of money and never really make it into that bracket it, it is weird I felt like for a long time they've been almost teetering but just it just doesn't seem to be happening for them nope uh, the next game I'd like to go on to is uh, Arsenal versus Bournemouth which is a, a, a 1-0 Narrow one nil win. Uh, it was a score by David Luiz in the in the ninth, and then they just sort of uh, hung on and braced for for dear life uh, at the uh, at the chance of Bournemouth to even ever getting an equaliser. Um, it was it was nice for Arsenal to hold out uh, for the whole you know eighty. It wasn't minutes. nice. I mean, obviously it's not nice, <laughs> but like as as an Arsenal for an Arsenal fan's point of view, holding out uh, at this stage is is better than drawing. Mm. Okay, uh, so a small W. Small, yeah. small W. <laughs> Arsenal only takes small Ws. Uh, another real goal fest. Uh, Chelsea uh, beating Southampton four one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, all four goal scorers. You don't really see this often. Uh, that are you know all all different. Uh, so Tammy Abraham scoring the seventeenth. Uh, Mason Mount then uh, scoring a double. Uh, I mean, well, put putting the putting the double on Chelsea score. Mm. Uh, Again, that's Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount. Those two seem to be absolutely shining in that Chelsea yeah, squad. Yeah, they do. To be fair, that transfer ban working for Chelsea this season with them two showing him yeah. question is if that transfer ban wasn't there would they be playing would they have just gone oh let's go sign X player for stupid yeah. amount in them positions let's try for Harry Kane mm. um, he wouldn't go that <laughs> <laughs> and then you got uh, N'Golo Kante with a with a, a very nice goal on his own he, he, Kante only scores good goals he only does I have I, I, come to that conclusion he only scores good goals he's just a, still an amazing player to this day 
Yeah. Uh, and then Mishi Bashawai in the dying minutes of the game uh, to to put Southampton to bed, uh, and then obviously Danny Ings in the thirtieth. Uh, Danny Ings are starting to get his shooting boots back as well. Yeah, he's finding a bit of form. I mean, I, I just feel Southampton for so long now just have not been the level yeah. of you know of a club for the Premier League. No, they, they, they've been teetering on the bottom for a while. If they get rid of Hassan Hootel, I think it be, could be trouble. I think he's yeah. a good manager. They got to stick with him. They can't get rid of him. Mm. Uh, they won't get anyone better here. If they got rid of him, I think it'd be, be heading to the championship. Yeah, it'd be game over. And, uh, and now we move on to one of the more wilder games. That uh, I mean, to be fair, not to me. I called this. Um, you, you did. You actually did call this. I called. I called. I called Man City on their loss uh, and Wolverhampton beating them two 0 I didn't think they'd keep a clean sheet, uh, but uh, I knew that Wolves were going to at least score two goals. The, the exact same goal twice. Yeah, Adama, yeah. Tra- Adama Traore in the 80s. typical Wolves away to the top six, just sit back, hit them on the counter. I mean, they did it how many times last season to take points off the top six? And yeah, they, I mean, they did it to us back, you know, back, <coughs> back at the latest stages of last uh, last season. Um, and why can't they do it? You know, I mean, they're going to do it. They've done it to City. Um, who else are they going to do it to next? It's just the consistency they lack. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they can do these amazing results. It's just yeah. I think it's because the weather players they play to sit back and counter attack, and whereas other teams will will sit back and they'll be like you're not very good attacking us. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Um, yeah, um, m- moving on then, Reese. What's the next game? And uh, f- uh, we have got Newcastle uh, beating Manchester United one nil. Uh, Matty Longstaff with his debut game, debut goal, and debut man of the match. Had to be a Longstaff, didn't it? It did. Uh, I think that he had an unreal game. Uh, he was all over the pitch, um, delivering corners to, to potential goals. Um, I mean, to be fair, Man United—they dominate the game. Really, they had more of the ball. They just—they can't put a shot on target. We can't score. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys saw the um, the De Gea interview. Mm. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a fair play to him. Seemed very beaten up about it. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he can come out and say it though. I mean, like, I mean. I, you want to see that? You want to see a bit of fire? I mean, and the, I mean, I feel like our defence and, and the keeper—that's not the problem. We, we we can't score to save our lives. It's awful. I think getting rid of Lukaku was a big mistake, now. Do you think so? Yeah, I think you're lacking that goal threat up front. Like the the dynamic that Lukaku brings is—he's a finisher. It will, he guarantees you at least 10, yeah. 15 goals a season, which I don't think Rashford, as good as he may be, he won't give you that. I saw uh, I saw a stat. It was uh, everyone taking the mick out of uh, Nicholas uh, Bentner mm. for scoring. What was it, forty-five in around a hundred something, uh, hundred and seventy games? I think. I think Marcus Rashford well, yeah. has done forty-eight in around the same. It's a few more as well, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. It's, slight, it's, it's just unnerving. I mean, it's a worry that he's going to burn out the same as. Yeah, it's, 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 it's I feel like every United fan wants to see the kid succeed. I feel like every England fan, on a grander scale, on a grander scale, wants to see him succeed. But right now, I mean, there's just so many question marks, and they just they just keep growing. Yeah, his last is English players now. Abraham's better than him. Mm. Absolutely, I they think are, in that front three for England, he doesn't get in ahead of Kane, Sterling, or Sancho at the minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. I remember saying that like a while ago when we were watching some of the friendlies. When we watched uh, Kosovo. Yeah, we watched the Kosovo game. I remember both us saying, you know, this, where does Rashford fit into this? Absolutely. I don't think he. I don't think he's getting anywhere near that England front three at any point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of uh, homegrown English talent, a team with full of it is a uh, is a team that have lost three now uh, the weekend, and will be the main topic for today's podcast. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur losing three 0 
to uh, to to Brighton and Hove Albion. Again, a, a surprising result to say the least. Uh, Dom, mate, what, what what were your thoughts on that game? It's uh, <laughs> it's starting to highlight the the cracks that are coming in the team now. Mm. I mean, you you're just looking at uh, a team which is just absolutely lost. It doesn't seem to have any kind of motivation at all, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's been building for a while and it's just kind of seemed like it's come to a head now where the manager lost faith in the players and the players seem to have lost faith in the manager and the whole hierarchy seems to really need to take a look at itself and and think, well, what 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 have we got to do at this stage? Mm. Sam, would you, uh, would you replicate that? Yeah, it, ju- it just seems that I feel as though Madrid was the moment where it had to happen then or won't ever happen. I think... The whole of 2019 and a whole has been an absolute disaster. Pay the VAR at the Etihad, as great as it was, that papered over the cracks that we almost absolutely threw that away from. At one point, being three one up in an aggregate, two with two away goals, you cruising there. You just got to see that, and then you can see the two goals quickly after that, and then put us back back to square one, and just mm-hmm. absolutely almost threw that away. Got mm. through that, got to the semi final, and then. If it weren't for Lucas Boris, we wouldn't even have been in that final. I think that just papered over the cracks of an absolute dreadful 2019. I mean, we have won twice away in the league this year to Cardiff and Fulham, who aren't even in the league no more. And that was at the start of the year in January. It is certainly an interesting position which yeah. uh, Tottenham find themselves in right now. And, and we uh, will go on to talk a little bit more indeed. about their situation. But uh, first things first, uh, Reese, we got the hype train. So um, we've uh, we've only had uh, the the singular um, submission this week, and uh, that is uh, Arsenal's latest signing from the summer, uh, Kieran Tierney. Okay. Um, he's he's a very young, very young player. Came from Celtic in the summer, uh, Scottish prodigy, probably. I mean, obviously not getting in the second uh, in the Scottish national team uh, because of Andrew Robertson. Uh, you know, being in the same position is not very um, not very good on his part. However, um, he's very promising. He's very young. He's got a lot of room to grow, especially in an Arsenal team where all he's got to do is misplace said class and uh, and uh, try and help that back four. Yeah, um, I feel like personally for me, I think when they signed him, I think it was it was an interesting signing. But I, I think that him playing in the Scottish league is going to be his hindrance. I feel like you have that title attached to you playing in that league. Obviously, the Scottish league gets kind of bantered around quite a lot anyway, especially amongst the English Premier League fans. So I feel like a transition from coming to the Scottish league into the Premier League, I feel like it's a difficult one. I mean, we've seen it happen. I mean, we've seen. Yeah. I mean, look at Virgil Van Dijk coming from Celtic down yeah, to Southampton. Absolutely. Look at the climb he's he's embarked on since then. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of players that have come from uh, from the Scottish leagues. I mean. Uh, uh, Larson back here, you know, when he went from Celtic to Man United, was it? Was that Madison? Madison was in Madison playing well. for Aber- Aberdeen a few years ago on loan from was that on loan from Norwich. Yeah. Look at him, he James went up yeah. there. Oh, yeah, down to Norwich there are a few gems in the in the in the Scottish division, and <coughs> uh, I think it's just a matter of time before a lot of those players do get act- you know do get recognised and are able to be brought up to the uh, forefront of the Premier League or the Championship, and then brought eventually brought up to the Premier League. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I mean, if we were going around then, guys, if we had to put Tierney in a bracket, as always, we have the poor, we have the average, we have the good, and we have the world-class going up there as uh, well. And, and also the prospect. And also the prospect as well. Prospect ca- category. I feel like, personally, if it was me, Absolutely. right now, I'm I'm probably going to put him in that average category. I mean, we saw him do amazing things at Celtic, especially on, on big stages as well. 
But I feel like until a run of regular form in the Premier League comes about and he's able to kind of show what he is, I think personally he's no more than an average player right now. That's fair enough. Personally, uh, Dom, what would you say, mate? I think I'd put him in that prospect category uh, purely because he's uh, it's it's more of an investment from Arsenal. I think it's going to take time for him to to develop in the Premier League. I don't think he's quite used to the pace of it yet, so it's going to take a while for him to be able to adjust to that level. Obviously, the Premier League being arguably the most intense league, it's going to take time for him to get to that level. But once he's at that level, I can see him being a world class player. Brilliant, Sam. I think Sam is in the prospects. I think it depends how he coaches when he first comes up against that big Premier League winger that he has to face, whether he can handle it. He's still a bit for me. Obviously, I've got that Spurs tinted glasses on, but <laughs> at the minute, it could be a decent little signing for him. But I hope it doesn't work out for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think I think prospect is where I'm leaning uh, for all the reasons that Sam and Dom have actually already highlighted. Uh, he's young. I mean, he's 18, 19 years of uh, years of age. I think so. I mean, he's still really young. Isn't yeah. He? Uh, so he's he's, he's he's very young. Um, but as Sam says, until he comes up against that, uh, I mean, he's playing on the left, so until he comes up against a Raheem Sterling, uh, a Mohamed Salah type uh, type player, he's he, he's not going to have that challenge yet. And if he, if he copes with it well, then you know what, he he could go on to be one of the best left backs in the league. But until we see that, uh, I don't see um, he could either end up in the average or he could end up being absolutely world class an interesting climb I think he's got this season in the league but moving on to the main topic of this week's uh, of this week's podcast it is Tottenham Hotspur which is why we brought in a couple of Tottenham fans um, lifelong supporters we want to hear these people's opinions and I mean that's the whole point of this podcast we want to get the opinion of the general kind of average viewer so um, first things first I want to point out Pochettino's situation at the club Hiring and, and firing managers, it's not really something Tottenham are, are predominantly for. I'd say I mean, there are far more notorious clubs for that. And, I mean, what a climb the man has had. But, at the moment, is his position vulnerable? I think at the minute it's very vulnerable. But he's got the credit in the bank with Levy because he's, what he's done is he took over a team that was an absolute mess under what had happened with AVB and Sherwood. That team was a disaster. There were so many bad apples in the squad. And he managed to weed them out straight away. And he built arguably one of the best teams. I've, well, the best team I've seen in my life. So probably the best team we've had in the Premier League era. Right? Just missing that, that key trophy that was obviously always joked about. But he came close so many times. It was just, it feels like this is the end of end of a cycle. It's whether they want to stick with him and go what he did before. Weed out the bad apples again and build another squad. Whether he can do it. It depends whether he gets her back in again, but... Mm. What'd you say, Don? I mean, the the team's gone through um, <coughs> a stage where when we were first with Pochettino, we were, as Sam said, a, a, a bang average team. And we've gone through, over the five and a half years or something he's been at the club, we've gone through level to level to level, and we've gone strength to strength. Yeah, yeah. But we've now come to a, a ceiling almost where the next strength is winning a trophy. Yeah. And, and we just don't seem to be able to push through that wall of... Of becoming a, a team that's won a trophy, we haven't done it for eleven years. I think it's something that I mean. I think what we've all discussed about in, in general. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've said for a while now. A lot of the time, a trophy, no matter how big or how small, once that trophy's been achieved, I thought like that can almost unlock a club. I mean, Liverpool 
went for an extremely long spell without any trophy. I mean, what a trophy to win. I mean, they're obviously winning the Champions League. Yeah. But now, every week in and week out, the United Premier League fans are won. <coughs> by that, I mean just Premier League fans in general, not yeah. just United. But um, <laughs> we're all kind of looking and we're thinking, what what's next for Liverpool? I mean, the sky's the limit right now for them, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. With, um, um, with Tottenham, it's just, is that trophy going to come? Yeah, I think, as Sam said, it's, it's, it's like the end of a cycle. I think that Champions League final was the end of the cycle. It was that it was supposed to end with Pochettino, Kane, Lloris. They're all holding this Champions League trophy as this squad that have grown so much within the past couple of seasons. Uh, especially with Kane coming into, you know, he's starting out. There's this unknown back in 2015, and then coming into his own and being probably one of the best strikers in the world. The uh, best. <laughs> yeah, the best. The best. So, so when when you've got this team and you're like, okay. We, you know, we've, we've beaten Man City we've overcome Ajax and, and you face this wall that is Liverpool I mean it, it, it wasn't as challenging as say a Man City was because obviously their their form was better than us the, the, that season um, it, it was doable for Spurs but them coming up short I think has put a halt on them uh, it's it's become apparent for players like Christian Eriksen uh, and, and their back line that have been like uh, we, we might not be able to win a trophy here so it might be time for us to, as before we hit the apex of our career, let's go and find somewhere else where we can win trophies. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I look at that team and I see, I see class, I see, I see elite talent, and I wonder. I mean, it must be frustrating for the players and the manager to to have that kind of talent around and and just not seem to be able to take it to the next level. I mean, for a very very long time now, you guys have been a big club. You haven't been one of these teetering clubs you've been part of the top six formidably cemented in there so i mean i'm wondering i mean <clears throat> this season i mean like it's the fa cup i mean that's the fa cup and premier league obviously the fa cup looking like something which could still happen yeah is that do you reckon that's doable for you guys i'd like to see him prioritize that and go let's go win that but the thing with the owners at the minute they're more focused on the monetary side so the main aim at the moment seems to be it's very similar to what Arsenal went through in that period but after the move to the Emirates. It's get that top four, nothing else matters because the money that you were getting from being in the Champions League and your TV money is so much greater than just winning an FA Cup. So I can see from an owner's standpoint, but from a supporter's, it's just frustrating. Two semi FA Cup semi final losses, a League Cup final loss, a League Cup semi final loss, a Champions League final loss, a second place finish, a third place finish. It's, it's t- it's it's overachieving, but it's getting to the point now where it's like we just want that trophy to see. Yeah, because it's there's almost, been worse Spurs teams that have won a trophy. It's almost like Sam said, we just need to kind of we need to invest in one trophy and and may- maybe try and concentrate on that and prioritize. You know, we know we can get top four in the Premier League, and we we know we can have a, at least a half decent run in the Champions League. So why not go for an FA Cup? or a league cup just to say well we've got a trophy under our belts now it might not be as significant as let's say a champions league yeah but it's a trophy we can win and we can build on that from there but without having that foundation to build on we're kind of stuck in a loop where we're finishing top four decent cup runs end of the season and then the cycle will just continue and it's like yeah you can have a decent cup run but you can't go on and win it we can't push that extra level just to win it yeah i feel like as well i mean obviously tottenham and now, because obviously that big club kind of status, like growing and growing, pulling power of getting players into <clears> clubs as well, that's something which a lot of the top six are kind of like specialising in. And we've seen lower clubs down in the Premier League being able to kind of attract some of these um, 
talents which may have traditionally have gone to larger clubs. But right now, I feel um, the whole saga over the summer with players like Paolo Dybala, someone of his status, um, but generally built up quite a lot of hype around the uh, around with the Spurs fans. So I'm wondering, would someone like him have solidified this season for you? Would he have been the next kind of thing to take you to another level? That's kind of a that's a that's a point where when we when we got to that Champions League final. And we lost that Champions League final. That was a, that was an amazing season because we ne- we didn't sign anyone in those two windows, and for Pochettino to do that is incredible. But he did about as much as he could with that team at that time. Mm. That's the point where you need to look at financial investment and start saying, look, we've got a team now that is is capable of doing that. We just need a little bit of extra quality. And I feel like Dybala, or we were linked with Coutinho for a little bit for a loan deal, would have been that little edge that we needed just to get to that stage where we could win a Champions League final. Again, I mean the the uh, the Galactico kind of names, the Dabalas, the Coutinho's that get thrown around. Everyone likes to see these players come into the club. It's just whether they would be an actual kind of a, a matching fit. Sam, do you think Dabala would have been good in the club? I think the Argentina link with the club. I think it could have worked out. But the one that I would have preferred every day would have been Coutinho because just watching him against against us the other week against when we played Bayern, I was he didn't score, but the way how we played, I was like you. You could tell he was like leaps and bounds above how Ericsson's playing at the minute. Mm. But I'd say when they're both off form, they're at a level play- playing field. But the way how Ericsson is at the minute, he's just he doesn't. He's clearly that he doesn't want to be there. So they should have just took the money for him in the summer and gone and invested in a Coutinho or a Dybala or even a James Madison from Leicester would have been a great <laughs> shout. Yeah, uh, I think I think w- when it comes to reinvesting players, um, they had a huge loss when they lo- uh, when when they sold Carl uh, Walker. Uh, they sold Kyle Walker and didn't really replace him. So we saw on Aurea and yeah. kept Trippier as a replacement, and those two are just two of the most shambolic right backs I've ever seen at defending. Sure, Trippier could put in a cross, and everyone in the World Cup bought into the hype of <laughs> Trippier. Yeah. That that free kick against Croatia, as good as it was, but his defending is it's it's not a, a top top team standard no, absolutely I feel like Trippio is always going to be revered for that moment like he's, he's just going to have a unified love of it yeah. I think to score you know uh, in the semi-finals of a World Cup you, you've always got that hype around oh I remember when Trippio scored in the, you know because we hadn't as, as England fans we haven't had had that in a while uh, to, to get to such lengths and all like be on the brink of going to, to the World Cup final we, we haven't had that in Forever, I was half away, half an hour away from a World Cup final. Exactly, and then uh, to for, for that to have been overshadowed by Mario Mandzukic is is quite is quite it's quite it's quite heartbreaking. It was, it was heartbreaking, yeah. but then you look at Trippier's performances for Spurs, and he 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 was never at a point where you were like, oh, okay, he deserves the world class status of being one of England's best right backs. He just didn't mirror the performance. Um, I, think, I feel like he's fallen quite well on his feet getting that move to Atletico. I mean, I feel like I mean they'll they'll get a, they'll get a job out of them. Simeone is Simeone is just a manager that people buy into him and they'll run through brick balls for Simeone. Similar to how the players did originally under Poch, but at the minute they're just completely look lost. It's, it's like you say. You you mentioned that there's a lot of talent in the squad. There's no use in having talent in the squad if you don't have motivation and you don't have a manager who's going to keep control of that dressing room. No, that that is true. I mean. I feel like Poch has kept that dressing room for so long now. Well, I mean, what, what what could have changed in such a short amount of time? That was the argument for so long. There were so many arguments of what to do to improve. But you look at 
Man United under Fergie, they won everything and anything, but he still made change. I think he built like three or four different teams at Man United. Kept on changing, kept, didn't didn't stick with the same group. He kept on bringing in new blood, new players, and it was success. But I think that's in something the other day. Like, it's still there's so many players that are still in that team from so long ago. Like, I think from when we lost five one to Newcastle on the last day of that season in 2016, I think that I think it's like eight out of that starting eleven still play regularly for the club. It's, that is a crazy yeah. start. Yeah, I think I think it was uh, like all. all since Jurgen Klopp came in, wasn't it when he his first season? Yeah, uh, like two of the players from from that that eleven in, at Liverpool are still here. Whereas yes, there was eight players from Spurs that are still regular in the teams. Mm. I mean, also you've got the you mentioned Eriksson's performance. Um, could that have anything to do with the fact that he does want to ship himself off? I mean, he's a lot of players. He's clearly don't want to be there at the minute. Yeah, his like players like Eriksson, Vertonghen. You've got uh, Toby Alderweireld. They're all expiring contracts. Uh, could they just be running out their time to obviously win, uh, win, a ch- win something there in another place? It's uh, it's it's a it's a point where you know it lo- when we brought when he brought those players in, they were young players that that, that were hungry to, to win games, and now it's come to a point where you know as Sam mentioned the cycle. It's now come to a point when those younger players are now slightly older, slightly more experienced, and they want to win those trophies. And uh, it, it's now coming to a point where if, if if we don't win anything soon, then those players are going to have different agendas where they want they know they've got the talent to go to a better team or a team which is more consistent, and they're now starting to voice that opinion and say, "Well, look, I'm bet I'm I know I'm better than the team I'm playing at the moment, so ship me somewhere else." Yeah, I, f- I feel like the hardest one to face would probably be a Harry Kane exit, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't think right now that he has any intentions of leaving your club, but. How long can you be a player of his caliber and not have a trophy under your under your belt? I mean, his his stats are going to go down in history, but I mean, not having any trophies to to to, to back it up with, I think I think it's alarming. But I think it's becoming very similar to the Shearer situation when Shearer was at Newcastle. Like Shearer could have easily gone to Man United and won everything, but he went. I want to stay for my hometown team and just try my best for these. Hopefully, touch wood. He goes and wants to become Tottenham. Could argue become Tottenham's greatest ever player if he goes on and helps us to win the trophies. Whether he wants to try and help us win the trophies or take the easy route, as to say, and go, oh, I'll go join Madrid, and I'll. It's whether he wants to. As much as Bale is has won everything with Madrid, he's been disdain from the fans towards him. Mm. Whether he Harry Kane could take something like that. I feel like Gareth Bale's exit from Tottenham as well at the time, although it was it was a big loss, I think a lot of fans were sad to see him go, the money which that came in brought a bit of an excitement around the club, I call one where this money is going to be invested in. Obviously, we can look at that in hindsight now and think that money did not exactly get no. invested massively correctly. Well, they could, have made, they could have returned the money on that because if they'd, if they'd been smart and they sold Ericsson or something, they could have made a good chunk of that money back just from yeah. Ericsson. I mean, how Lamella's still there, that just baffles me as well. <laughs> that that bail money bought uh, Soldado in, didn't it, as well? There were some absolute duds in that. Soldado, um, Chiriches. Yeah. Sigurdsson in there as well. well Sigurdsson was already there. He was already there. Kirikesh? Yeah, Kirikesh. Uh, Don Bouli was one of them as well, I'm pretty sure. Benji Don Bouli. Yeah. as well. Yeah. Some some players that have then gone and just played average, average, like, 
averagely for average teams. I mean, a credit to Pochettino, though. I mean, you look at we, we mentioned some of those players that got brought in with, under the, the AVP era. Some of those players were obviously clearly not going to work out. I mean, you look at the team now, and although maybe the results aren't coming in right now, you've you've got to credit him on his business and the kind of players that have been brought in. He's done a shoestring budget. Like you compare what he's done compared to say what Pep's done. Pep's just been given an open checkbook, and yeah, it's worked and he's won everything there is to win in England. But arguably, Pochettino, what he's achieved could be argued to be just as great so and, and that is the argument so i mean a manager like pep guardiola all the money into the sun uh i i personally feel like he's, he's a good tactician as well but i mean like yeah i mean the, the main argument would be yeah he does well he has all the money but i mean tottenham i mean like, I, I have no doubt in my mind that you have that money as well i mean you may not be getting backed fully like the pep is but i mean your club is huge i mean really? the, the amount of money they just got spent on that absolutely phenomenal stadium there's the, the NFL there. money as well in there. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just it's an, it's an investment company that owns the club, so they don't want to put the money in. They'll they've taken so much money out. So I mean, we, we we definitely have that money. It's just we're not willing to dish it out. I mean, Pochettino he mentions on several occasions about a rebuild and rebuilding the club. You know, signing four players in three transfer windows is not a rebuild. No, no, I would, I would agree with that. I feel the the club is is not a lot unless they've got the backing. I would say no. Uh, I think I think like bringing in uh, I I think Spurs this season they brought in some they brought in Ndombele, uh who I think is a good young player. Mm. Um, but obviously he know, he needs time to adapt. Um, the the worrying thing about him is I noticed in the Bayern Munich game he in the first half well the first half an hour especially he looked absolutely amazing. I was like this is one of the signings of the season and then he just seemed to be so tired by the time that second yeah. half rolled around and it it was evident as. His, he was arguably at fault for two of their goals, and he 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 does just run around. He t he tries to do what N'Golo Kante does. He just runs <coughs> around the pitch, but he doesn't quite have the stamina. He's more he's more of an attacking Kante, I'd argue. Yeah, like uh, he, I, I'd say him and Sissoko are maybe. Uh, I mean, Sissoko's probably a little little less talented than than Ndombele, but I'd say they're probably two similar-ish players. If Sissoko was good. <laughs> play football with the feet would be arguably the best <laughs> player I've ever seen in the history of football but he's got as much talent going forward as the table <laughs> he's <laughs> he's absolutely amazing at winning that ball back he can he can he can out muscle the best of them but as soon yeah. as he gets that ball anywhere near that 18 yards I really want him to not shoot <laughs> look at, look, going back and looking at him in the Euros I mean I remember when he had that a couple of games where he was playing on that right side where he seemed to be absolutely everywhere but that's what got him to move back to Spurs originally and then yeah. for the first two seasons he was like oh, this is the, one of the worst ones we've ever made but last season due to injuries mainly he just came into the team and then he hasn't lost his place since mm. but you could argue that is that potentially a reason for the downfall Maybe. Sissoko playing so much you'd lose that bit of whereas compared to Moussa Dembele at his peak he could actually use the ball with his feet more than Sissoko could absolutely uh, I mean like also bringing in uh, La Celso uh, as well from uh, from Betis he looks a very exciting player but in a typical Spurs fashion two of our four signings are out injured yeah. one of them sat unused on a Leeds bench on loan yeah and that, everyone seems to be strange. knackered after a, <laughs> a, an hour. Yeah. That, that whole Jack Clark thing at the time, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know too much about him at yeah. all. I, mean, I think I heard it from you, Dom. Yeah. Um, 
And I mean, the, the immediate loan back. I mean, I can see what they've done him, obviously, to get him some minutes. But I mean, if if, if the kid's not playing, I mean, it just raises a few more questions. He's meant to be coming back in January, apparently. Yeah, we're gonna activate that that clause to bring him back in January. I mean, he's going out there to get minutes, and he's not getting them. So he's more likely to get him in the Spurs squad than he is in that Leeds squad at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if Spurs think that a shakeup is needed, then uh, I think it might be time to you know just experiment and see what you know what he can offer the Spurs team and see if he can push them forward to. To hopefully re relight the the top four uh, hopes of the of the fans. Going back and uh, talking about the Pochettino situation, obviously we've mentioned the kind of manager he is. Um, obviously that exit door is possibly looming. I mean we're not too sure it could happen, but if it does happen, is there anyone who you think available right now which you would like to see at the club? Uh, Dom, have you got any ideas? Massimiliano Allegri. Allegri. Uh, absolutely. He. he regarded as one of the most successful managers in this era. I mean, even if you're just looking at Juventus alone, he's in five seasons at Juventus, he led them to five consecutive Serie A titles, four Coppa Italias, and took them to two Champions League finals, albeit they didn't win, but that's, that's proven of a manager who knows how to win trophies and can deal with high-profile players. Yeah, a trophy-winning manager, to say the least. Uh, Sam, you got any ideas, mate? Yes, along the same lines, I'd go. I've got three options that I'd be up for taking. Is Allegri because obviously the, there is the links with him, and he has been learning English. There is a possibility that he could be coming to the Premier League, whether that be Spurs or Manchester United. Never the other two is Jose Mourinho. He's a free man at the minute. He's a winner, but the only problem is him is obviously he brings you trophies and success, but. That third season is always a worry. He brings mm. in he brings in a lot of ego as well, Mourinho. And does. it's it's a disaster. It'd be a disaster waiting to happen. Him working with Daniel Levy because Daniel Levy would not spend the money that Mourinho no. wants. But my other option would be Brendan Rodgers. Uh, as no, controversial no. as that may sound, but I think he is an absolute. Look at the the change that he's brought into that lesser team instantly. Yeah, they look miles better than they did under Claude Puel and well the managers since Ranieri since mm, the title yeah. winning season but arguably you could argue that this Leicester team it, it probably won't win the league as that Leicester team it was right moment right time for them everyone else was at the down every other top six team at that time was in a down period so they capitalised on the right time but you could argue that this te this Leicester team is better than that I'm going to throw a little curveball in here and say Gareth Southgate was also <laughs> one of my candidates and yeah. I know I know you're probably thinking well that's a bit stupid as he's only ever seemed to have well he's only ever had international club experience but I feel, I feel like that that's quite romanticised the, the, the pairing of Southgate and Tottenham yeah a very English club with a very English manager yeah very English manager very very good fashion sense as well but I mean <laughs> I feel like his his, his appointment um, it would be good because uh, obviously he's worked with a lot of those English players he's gelled with a lot of them but I feel like with someone like him coming to a club to a I think he's very much an international he's suited to that international management he international is more about you got to motivate your players I don't think it comes down to much tactics in, in international because you're not with them that long mm. so I think he'd get found out very quickly at club level as as he did when Middlesbrough as he took them down yeah. 10 years ago now it's so. it an awful yeah. long time ago but I mean I mean, you never, you never know. It, it, it could be a right move for him, but I mean, he could he be has, the one. <laughs> he could be the one. But he has said he doesn't have any intentions on leaving anytime soon. The only reason I put him up as a candidate is just because I feel like 
he might breathe a little bit of life into the the England internationals in the team, the Deli Alleys and Harry Winks. You know the players that are putting good performances, but they need to go that extra step. I feel that maybe just being under your international manager might show you want to give a little bit more for your club. Yeah. yeah. Again, I think the the, the Allegri appointment that that one's the one that interests me because right now. I'd say all with the exception of uh, Luis Enrique, who was unfortunately going to be probably out for quite a while um, due to his current situation, which was obviously extremely, extremely sad sad to hear. But with the exception of Luis Enrique, I feel like right now he is the current manager right now, which is out there to be got. Mm -hmm. So I feel like clubs right now, I feel like they are there to kind of win him over. They need to have these conversations. They need to be like, you know, what's it going to take to get you at my club? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a he's a he's a class manager. He's proved it time and time again, uh, and it's it's only a matter of time before some top team you know comes and snoops him up. Maybe uh, maybe like a Spurs, Spurs might need that little bit of an injection of of that world class managerial experience to come and uh, and and help them along. He's shown Spurs what he could do a couple of years ago when we played them in the Champions League. Like yeah. that first half and the second leg, we was in cruise control. Was one and up leading. 3-2 on aggregate, looking very dominant. He made one little switch at half-time, switched it completely, turned the game on his head, and of course they went through. Yeah, That's exactly what you need. You need a mar- manager who can go in and go in losing. Pochettino reflects that same quality, but you go in and you can really get the players out into that second half and show that, look, we can win this game. We are losing at the moment, but we can win that game. And even if you look at uh, Juventus' squad, it was quite an old squad, it's a very experienced squad and it does reflect our squad in the sense that it is experienced. We're not we're not a small club anymore. We're a big club that's had a lot of Champions League experience, a lot of Premier League experience, and we know how to turn games around. We just need a manager to guide that a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. No, I would say that's a that's a very well rounded argument, I would say. Um one thing <coughs> excuse me, again I'm looking forward to seeing from Tottenham whether they can turn it on or not again. Another run in the Champions League. I mean, the last run, it will probably go down. I think. I think it was you said recently, Sam, that that Champions League run is going to be one of the most memorable moments of, of Tottenham history. Well, yeah, it's it's obviously the first Champions League final we've ever reached in our history, and I'd argue that that run to the final was eclipses. I probably wouldn't argue better than an FA, but better than a League Cup win, because those moments against Man City and Ajax, like, the moments that every Spurs fan will remember for the rest of their life, like. That that third Lucas Moura goal, I've never felt an emotion like it when that's that goal went in. Yeah, I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel I feel like, um, especially for getting to the final, I feel like both of you guys were probably pretty intoxicated around that time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. even like, even if in the final it was absolutely robbed by some dodgy refereeing in the sixty seconds in. <laughs> so you went down to uh, Tottenham to go and, and, and watch the game, didn't you, with the rest of the fans? Yeah, it, it was. It, it was a good atmosphere. It's just killed instantly, boy. Sixty seconds in, and it's one of them that we'll just look back on forever. Now it's to be just a non-event of a final. You couldn't make it up, could you? Um, it's a Spursy way to end. Very <laughs> Spursy way to do it. But uh, you mentioned VAR then. Um, right now, as a little side note, obviously that was an extremely controversial call, extremely early on. The Champions League last season was full of VAR calls like that. Absolutely. Do you personally feel that VAR is going to be a, a more of a hindrance for you guys progressing? I think it's a hindrance for everyone. It's just the fa- the fans' experience when you're in there and it goes to VAR, you have no clue what's going on. It was like the other week when I was at the Spurs Newcastle game and 
Obviously, there was the controversy with the should Harry Kane have had a penalty, but you had no clue what was going on. And you look back and you just like, it's a penalty, brings him down. I don't, I don't know, though, was it? I mean, I don't know if enough contact was there personally. He goes down and rugby tackles him to the ground. I feel like I feel like it is an opportunity for the fans to get involved there. You know, if you've got screens, obviously Old Trafford and Anfield would be exempt from this rule. Yeah. But, you know, you look <coughs> at uh, the Tottenham Stadium, you know, two massive televisions. You can, you, can, you can show the fans what they think, get them involved. You know, they should be taking leaves yeah. out of the book of the TMO in rugby because you, you can see the decision... You can hear what the referees and the assistant referees are saying, and you can get the crowd involved. And if they know that it's not a penalty, you've got no complaints you can make. Cause you can say, "Well, it wasn't a penalty, so I can't really complain about that," or "It wasn't an offside, so I can't really complain about that." I feel like the the one trouble you'd have with you know fan interaction would be uh, the amount of obviously being at home. Uh, there'd be a lot of bias, maybe towards whether it you know say if you were like, "Oh, he's been brought down in the penalty area," but we're unsure. And then you have the the home fans being like, oh yeah, no, it wasn't a penalty. Um, and I mean, obviously you'll have the, the the referees to be like, okay, that was a blatant uh, blatant call. But like, uh, I think that's my big problem with VR at the minute, especially in the not so much in the Champions League because they're different sets of the not all, all mate. But the Premier League refs are all massively in an in an all boys club, so you notice how most of the time with the VAR in the Premier League you won't ever see a decision overturned because the referees in the VAR are too scared to overturn the mate's decision. Yeah, it, it is hid behind this. It's hidden behind this whole quote clear and obvious shadow, isn't it? Where yeah. where if a, if the ref if the on field referee makes a decision and VAR don't think that it's clear and obvious, then it's it's going to be a decision that isn't overturned. And I feel like VAR, the assistant referee, should be seen as a separate decision-making system to the on-field referee and they can overturn the decision if they feel that it's that it's the wrong decision that's been made it gave us a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of interesting moments last season especially with tottenham so it'll be interesting to see this season how it progresses how it's implemented and and, and, and so forth um, again uh, one last kind of like main point i wanted to bring up about tottenham we've mentioned for, for a while now this you guys are now at a big club level um, and I feel like the trend of maybe wanting to stick with Poch, obviously Poch is taking you on an amazing ride, and I don't necessarily feel like he wants to leave, <coughs> but if push comes to shove, is it the right decision? Does he get fired? Do you wait for him to, do, do, do you sort something out, or do you say to him, no, like, you've had your chance, you I, I, I think it's all down to him personally, because he's come out today and said, I won't get sacked, he's said how him and Daniel Levy are, quote, friends. I mean, I won't be friends with him, because I think he's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> insert version. insert bleep. <laughs> uh. I one hundred percent think that he's still the manager to do it. He he's he's I think it's a it's a privilege that he's still here. I mean he, he can walk into any managerial position with any other team. Even without trophies. Even without trophies exactly. That yeah. that just highlights that point. And and he can and he's turned away clubs, you know, he's turned away big clubs to commit himself to this future with Tottenham. And he's made it clear several times. So if he can keep doing that, and and he's willing to put his, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into trying to get this club a trophy, then 100% give him a chance. And I know we say that season after season, but it's it's got to come at some point. Yeah, it's like uh, you know the argument for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is is you know is is, is he worthy to keep keep at the helm of uh, of Manchester United? I mean, if he's given time, yes, I think he can turn it around. And if he's given the funding, Potch has been given this long to keep uh, Spurs afloat he's done he's done fine uh, as of now 
He's hit a little bit of a rocky patch, but I think he, he can steer the Spurs side back onto the right tracks again. I feel like, I mean, because he is in a vulnerable, vulnerable position, as, he, as a Manchester United fan, a lot of the time I get questioned whether I would take him at the club. And as a manager, as, as somebody who I, I've seen the way he's developed players, I've seen how long he's been in the league for, there are clear benefits to me saying, yeah, I, I want him at the club. But I'm not... Mass. The only thing is, again, the, the lack of trophies. I feel like the person to lead United personally is somebody who has experience of being a serial winner. That's what I want. Right now, currently, it is Allegri, isn't it? He is the one out there to get. So, Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you guys feel the same about Tottenham. I mean, like, if someone was going to come in and replace him, I feel like Tottenham need a serial winner. You need someone like Allegri. Someone yeah. who's got that experience to win trophies. That's exactly what you need. Yeah, just someone who knows to take out to the next level. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I hope you guys have enjoyed us talking a little bit more in depth about Tottenham this week. Um, the last thing we need to do before we wrap everything up is just talk about the Premier League games for the week to come and see if we can make any it's decent... The international break. Yeah. It's oh, the international break. It's the international break. There we go. We do have an international We've break. We've just thrown the audience a bit of a curveball. We have got a curveball. You That's can hear them all shouting, it's the international break, it's the international break. Yeah. Just yeah. Absolutely God, feeling. Joe, you buffoon. <laughs> international break honestly it's, 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 it's a great it's, time for Man United fans no we need to keep rest. pushing on come on Liverpool I was gonna say Liverpool the only club right now can keep keep yep. going that with that momentum yep. but anyway if we don't have any uh, Premier League games to wrap up apart from that guys I think we're all good for today yeah pretty much uh, thank you to uh, Sam and Don for coming on yeah, yeah, cheers, it's been good. absolute good an absolute pleasure to have you guys yeah it's been great um anything to plug anything to plug any potential projects in the works um i think uh i was going to say if you want to keep updated with us uh, obviously you can check our social media platforms this will be available on youtube so as always please like and subscribe um we will include dom and sam's socials as well if you guys want to give them a follow and a look a few likes as well yep and uh yeah thank you very much guys we will see you next week